All right, everyone. Welcome back to the Be Fit Podcast. I am your host, as always, Connor Murphy, joined here with Max Isaac, owner of the Tilt. I don't even know what to call it anymore. I think we're I think we're just called Tilt Inc. on my tax returns. So <laughs> that's that's the important thing. Yeah, Tilt Tilt Inc. works. Um, Empire is what I was going to go with. <laughs> the Tilt Empire. Wow, it what, sounds it sounds amazing. What does something have to be to be considered an empire? It sounds pretty grand to me. Um, I don't know if we're an empire, but we definitely are a group of gyms. Some of ours are CrossFit gyms. Are you looking up the definition of empire? I am. Good, yeah. Um, we have some CrossFit gyms. We have some corporate gyms. We have just opened a spin studio. Uh, my wife just opened her second PT practice. So we got a lot going on. What's an empire? Um, I want to go with the second definition of it. A large commercial organization owned or controlled by one person or group. That's actually kind of accurate. Yep. So, so the Tilt Empire. I guess I'll just have to add that to my Instagram. Um, LinkedIn. Yeah. I don't have. I don't really have LinkedIn, but I get notifications for LinkedIn. I have a LinkedIn. <laughs> I have no idea what it says on there. Yeah, neither do I. But hey, we're here. Um, longtime friend. Uh, we've competed against each other. We've, we've hung out. We've trained. We've coached. We've done... Uh, a lot of stuff together, and I'm honored to have him on the podcast. And and really, the the premises I want to hear, and I want to let you guys know Max's story from being interested in fitness to all the way to the now Tilt Empire, <laughs> and that uh, how he got to that, and, and kind of some he's got some good stories along the way. So Max, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, uh, I'm super happy to be here. So fun fact, Connor, you and I met before the very first competitors competition at. CrossFit New England, probably about eight or nine years ago. 2013 in January, I believe. Not that he remembers. Um, good memory, like a steel trap. So we actually, we met there. I believe you and Jeff got either food poisoning or something the night before the competition, weren't able to compete. The biggest thing that I remember from this competition was Ben programmed freestanding handstand pushups nine years ago before anybody ever thought about this also programmed. I believe one of the workouts had uh, a weighted weighted rope climbs into 30 muscle ups for time. So there, there was a lot going on in that competition that wasn't happening, but truth be told, I think a lot of it was due to the two athletes that were competing for CFNE at the time, Mel Ockerby and Kevin, Kevin Montoya, Montoya. Yeah. the two athletes that could only, you know, the only ones that could do freestanding handstand pushups. But I actually think you had freestanding handstand pushups back then. And it was probably mostly due to your sweet dance moves. That's honestly where it probably all stems from. <laughs> head slides, being able to have to freeze in that position. Yeah, you do a head slide, that's one step away from doing a freestanding handstand pushup. If you can do a handstand pushup against a wall and you can complete a head slide into a freeze pose, there you go. Yeah. I Turn mean, two minus the one, you're there. And listen, it was this year in the in the CrossFit game, so you could have just programmed that. Um, but anyway, we met about nine years ago, and back then I was coaching for Ben. So I guess we'll start at the beginning. Uh, I started coaching CrossFit when I was teaching kindergarten. So teaching kindergarten in Natick, Mass, got a deal for a Groupon. I don't know if you remember Groupons, but it was uh, $50 for an elements class, which is like a beginner's class, and uh, a one-month membership. And 
I mean, that's a pretty amazing deal. So I took it and ran with it. And uh, actually, our good buddy MDV was my elements coach. And back then, I told him, I said, you know, maybe I'll add CrossFit into like my daily routine, but I probably won't do it more than that. Yeah, it took me about a month, and I was I was all in. And uh, I started coaching because what? What, I, what year is this? Well, it had to be 2011. 2012, 2011 into 2012. And are you from the Boston area? Oh yeah, I'm a masshole. Born Can't hear in my accent, but uh, no, I'm a born and raised Lexington, Massachusetts. Went to UMass Amherst, and now uh, live in Massachusetts. So, and you were teaching kindergarten in Natick. Yes. Where are you from in Mass? Lexington. From Lexington. Birthplace of America. Shot heard around the world. It's, I mean, it's a pretty big deal. So you're welcome for your freedom. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So kindergarten teacher back in Natick, did you care about fitness? Were you working out beforehand or were you just like, fuck it, CrossFit's here. Let's try this out. So me and my good buddy were both working at this private school and he was the PE teacher. I was the kindergarten teacher. And so we both lived in Brighton and we both really thought that we like were into working out. We'd go Mm -hmm. to like, uh, BSC in Brighton. I'd like run down the hill. I'd like run back. I like thought I was like pretty fit. And I remember doing my first intro workout, which is what you do before you do elements. And Mel Ockerby took me through it. It was like a 200 meter run. You did like 10 ring rows, 200 meter run, 10 pushups, 200 meter run, 10 squats, 200 meter run, 10 sit-ups. I could only run 200 meters once. I ran it one time and then I had to walk every other time. And I, I really thought like going into it, I'm like, I'm going to smash this. Like I'm, I'm very fit. And, um, you know, insert foot to your mouth. I was like, wow, totally kicked in the face, which was essentially what happened for the first couple of years of me doing CrossFit <laughs> was every workout that I did. I was like really sure that I was going to be like really good at it. And I was like, really not good. That's, it's so funny. You know, when I listen to you and MDV on the podcast and you talk about just how the on-ramp, how you get people to come into the gym, how that aspect has all changed for the better. But I mean, I think about my first CrossFit workout. It wasn't someone teaching me how to do stuff. It was someone that said, hey, do this workout as fast as you can. And it was Fran at my first CrossFit workout. And I did it and I messaged him later And he was like, how long did it take you? I was like, I don't know, like 20 minutes or so. It wasn't that bad. And he's like, no, 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 no. You got to go back and do it again. He was like, how did you do it? I was like, I did like threes and fours on the thruster, which, you know, I had just like knees touching my elbows, rack position, not no idea with the pull-up. So I go back there. Granted, I was was on this uh, drinking a lot of whole milk. So I went back to the gym. I did 21 unbroken thrusters at 95 pounds two pull-ups and threw up milk all over the gym. (laughs) We were like, uh, I was was on base in in San Diego and people were just looking over at me like, what? (laughs) Because they saw me there like an hour earlier, probably doing the same thing. And then just, and I was like, okay, maybe this isn't for me. But anyways, the deep end approach was kind of how we got into it. And then, oh yeah. I mean, this was, (laughs) you know, I've, I've told this story before, but not on this podcast, so it's new to this podcast. But um, 
lucky enough, my, my first class coach was our good buddy, James Hobart. And the first workout that I ever took or ever did for the 7.30 p.m. class was the workout Angie. 100 pull-ups, 100 push-ups, 100 sit-ups, 100 air squats. I come in. James is going through like a, you know, goes through a kipping progression, all this other stuff. I'm like, I pull him aside. I'm like, hey, listen, I'm going to do the pull-up strict today. He's like, okay, do them all strict. I get like into the workout, maybe 15 or 20 in. My arms are like T-Rex. He's like, you want to do some jumping pull-ups? I'm like, yeah, I'm going to need to do some jumping pull-ups. <laughs> so um, the, needless to say, uh, not my finest moment, but hey, you don't know what you don't know. And then the, my other memory is the first time Grace was ever programmed, 30 clean and jerks for time. Mm. And I believe Mel was coaching me in this workout and she's telling everybody, hey, this is a sub five minute workout. I'm like, hold my beer took me 13 and a half minutes to do, to do 30 clean and jerks. And how fast for the first 10? Oh my, I probably did the first 10 in a minute. And then I probably had to lie down. Like I had, <laughs> again, for the first couple of years, I just didn't understand that you couldn't just rip the bandaid right off in the beginning of every workout. So I would sprint the <laughs> beginning of every single workout. And this is also not, to talk badly about any of my coaches because they probably told me exactly what to do. But like any 20 something year old male athlete, I did not listen. And there is something about being kicked in the teeth uh, to, you know, really make you start to listen. So it only took me a couple of years to, 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 to start to listen um, to my coaches and to Ben at the time. So. I mean, I'm not far behind you, man. We we did workouts together, especially when you and I, I, I still remember we talked about it the other day, doing that black and blue workout. And it was like that first 200 meter was completed in 35 seconds. Yeah. And, and then I came in and, and power cleans were no longer, I mean, anyways, semantics here. So kindergarten teacher decide, hey, I'm pretty fit. I've been working out. You get into CrossFit. At what point in time from your first cross workout or on ramp to when you were like, I'm going to do this, did you complete your level one? So the reason I ended up doing my level one was I had a student in my class at the time that had been asked to leave um, a public school setting and wanted to come into my classroom at a private school because who knows, there were things going on in the public school. I'm like, of course, I'll take him into class. And I just found out this kid is like super physical and I had seen that there was a really great kids class at CrossFit New England. It was run by um, Heather Bergeron at the time, absolute legend. And I suggested to the parents, Hey, you know, this may be a perfect setting for, you know, your, your son, this CrossFit kids class. And Allie LeBlanc actually, you know, pulled me aside one day and asked if I wanted to volunteer for that class, which actually lined up perfectly because it turned out the student wouldn't take this class if I wasn't there. So long story short, I started volunteering for the CrossFit kids class. And that was my first introduction to coaching. So I got my level one and then I got my CrossFit kids all so I could be a part of that kids class. And that's, that was my role at CrossFit New England for a long time was I coached the kids stuff. And then our good buddy, uh, Jeff Leard and I started the high school program and started the middle school program. So within, I'd say within the first couple of years, probably about two years or maybe a year, um, you know, had got my level one, had got the CrossFit kids and was running our whole, you know, kids, middle school, high school programs. 
And is there a certain drive? Is it just something that the way it panned out for you teaching kindergarten and then going into kids, or is there is there something special, special or specific to why? Because it takes a special type of person to be able to work with people like that. I think it's significantly more important than someone who's able to, to coach adults. And in fact, it actually helps you out in that. But what was the driving force behind youth? So to be honest, it's just something I'd been doing my entire life. Like I was just one of those guys that went to camp my whole my whole life and then was a CIT, then was a camp counselor, then was the recreation director at a camp. And when I was at UMass, like every college student, I was like flat broke. And you could get a couple jobs on campus. One was like checking IDs, like working at the dining hall. But then I also saw that there was a preschool on campus at UMass. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. You get to hang out with kids all day, read stories. I think there's probably nap time. There's definitely snack time. Um, <laughs> so I uh, so I started working at the at the preschool on campus. So when I graduated college and I ended up moving back, I applied to this private school as a kindergarten teacher. I was the only male teacher at the school. They swooped me right up. Now, granted, I think I did a pretty good job teaching kindergarten, but I also think I, I had a leg up being one of the only male teachers there. So I've worked with kids my whole life. It was a natural progression, and then it just lent itself really well to to working at CrossFit New England as a CrossFit kids coach. But I, I agree with what you're saying in that if you can work with kids, you can probably work with anybody. Um, because as you know, when you're coaching adults, less is more, it needs to be simple. And the other thing, and I'll be honest here, like I'm not the smartest guy in the room when it comes to the exercise physiology side of working out. That's not my background at all. I was, you know, majored in English, minor in education. like. I don't have the exercise phys background, but I certainly know how to talk to people and I definitely know how to keep things simple because that's essentially all I can handle myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, obviously that's all it takes, not to the point to where it's like, hey, I don't really know what I'm doing. And obviously you you take the right steps to understand things more. I mean, you can't, you can't have care without continuing to have education right. to a certain point to where like, Man, the more I learn when, when someone tells me they're like, oh, I have a master's degree in, in, in anatomy and physiology and it's like, cool, help me squat. Right. Tell, just tell me what to do that to makes me better in the shortest period of time. Right. I think the thing that helped me the most was you're just talking about like getting your level one, getting, getting your CrossFit kids. The certifications offered through CrossFit are awesome, but being around people like you, people like MDV, people like Mel, people like James, people like Jeff, really good, passionate coaches, watching other people coach, that's what's helped me the most in paying attention. You know, everybody does things differently, but the messaging is pretty similar. And the more that you watch, the more that you observe, and the more that you're actually like putting in good reps, you get better and you learn. And that, that kind of turns into you know, when you're working in kids, because it takes a, a special person to work with youth, it also takes someone, and, and really the word I'm looking for here is patience. It takes a, a special type of patience to work with private training as well, which kind of when I met you, you were head first into as, as far as I know. What got you into that? And then, I mean, I mean, that's a hustle and a grind. It can pay off if you can withstand it. But what got you into that or how did you get into the private training? Talk about kind of like, like that aspect because it, it started happening at the same time, right? Yeah. So, you know, I never really had a plan <laughs> with, with anything. I, um, 
I was coaching kids and I was teaching kindergarten and I had this really great, uh, really great kid in my CrossFit kids class and her father, um, used to come early all the time to pick her up, super involved dad. And, you know, just like you, like one day after class, I was just kind of like shooting the shit, you know, talking to him. Hey, you know, I see you here all the time. And I just asked him, I said, you know, do you, do you ever think about joining the gym? Cause I just wanted him to come to the gym. His, his daughter was coming. I thought it would be great. He's like, yeah, you know, my wife and I used to have a trainer. Um, but we, you know, we'd love to do elements here. I'm like, great. So back then you were taking people through a one-on-one elements program. And I think it was maybe six or seven sessions back then. And the, the program that Ben had us doing was essentially like a mini level one. And it was really cool. So you'd give all the talks, you do all this other stuff. And then on the last day in elements, your athletes would take class and you would essentially be like their, their coach during that class. So like it, shepherd it, that journey with, yep, for them. Yeah, exactly. It's like, then, you know, you set them free and you have a great life and you get fit and, you know, eat some fruit, little, <laughs> little, little starch, nuts and seeds. So, um, I like take them through that class and like we finish. I'm like, Hey, it has been an absolute pleasure. Loved working with you. Um, I hope you have a great time in class. And they're like, Hey, you know what? We don't really want to take class. I was like, Oh, okay, cool. Well, like, like I, you know, I'm a young trainer. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. And they're like, well, do you offer, you know, personal training? I'd never done personal training. I was like, yes. The answer is yes. I was like, I do personal training. They're like, what are your rates? I'm like, I'll have to email you my rates because again, I had never done personal <laughs> training and had no clue about anything. So long story short, like we start training together and it's awesome and they're great. And then they're like, Hey, we don't like training at the gym. I'm like, okay. They're like, do you know anybody who could build us a gym? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can build you a gym. Had never <laughs> built yeah, I'm, a, I'm a big gym builder. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> in, whenever I tell the story, I want to make something clear. I'm not trying to be dishonest here. I, I'm just saying, hey, this is an opportunity. Like I'll learn. Take like the step. That that has been the biggest thing that I have learned in the past 10 years of training and owning gyms is if you're actually just willing to learn and take a step, you're going to be really happy with what you can do. So anyway, I'm like, yeah, I'll build you a gym. They go on vacation, give me the keys. I build them a gym. Mike Finn, our good buddy, comes with me to lay down stall mats in the house. And they come back and we start training at their house. And that was my first private client. And 10 years later, I still train them. They are still a client of mine. So I've trained them for a decade. Phenomenal people. We've gone on vacations. We're actually doing some really cool stuff right now with, um, with whoop and his company Hitachi Ventera. Like it's amazing. So for 10 years, we've had a great training relationship, had a great personal relationship. And the whole thing started by just talking to somebody, um, after class. Um, but again, to, to answer your question, that was the jumping off point for me. And from that point on, I started, um, training people privately and, never advertised, never did anything like that. It was all just kind of word of mouth, which I'm sure there are better ways to do it. I know there are better ways to do it. I actually don't know how. You say that, and, you know, if you look on Instagram, you find everyone's ads. It's like, we can help your gym. We can, Are you a private trainer? We can help this. But you know what? Um, Rachel, um, 
close friend of ours, my ex-wife, um, another person, incredible in private training. Yes. Never marketed herself as a private trainer. What she did was took care of the people, one, as a relationship builder. She's incredible with with caring about people. It's like it's not a fake care. It is a literal yeah. I care about these people. Number one. Number two, get them fit or get them the results that they want to. Again, even if you just care about them, like the getting them results is still second to it. Yeah. And and then they're gonna talk to their friends and they want someone to experience the same feeling that you give them to say, you've got to book this person to the point where it's like, I don't have enough hours in the day now. And that's the that's the problem with private training. One hundred percent. Um, so a couple things here. Rachel is spectacular at training and I mean Rachel and I were good friends for a while. She saw that I was doing private training. We used to live together in a in a you know, platonic way. Um, <laughs> she still talks about like you being just like the best roommate. Oh yeah. I mean, I didn't do anything except eat like frozen pizzas all the time <laughs> so, and get five guys. Um, but back then she was like, Hey, you know, I want to get into private training. Like, how do I do it? I'm like, Oh, well, I don't know. Like you just go talk to people and you find like one client. Cause that's all that I had known how to do. And Rachel ended up having this amazing knack for it. I mean, you obviously know more than I do. And yeah, she grew a really spectacular business from that. Um, I like what you said though, just about the, about the care part. That's mostly what good trainers do, whether you're a one-on-one, whether you're small group, whether you're, you know, doing what you're doing right now, which is in front of a much larger crowd. Like the first thing is caring. And this is actually something that I believe you really can't teach somebody how to do. And I think it is the thing that separates um, good from great trainers. Because if you actually don't know how to care for others, it's going to be very hard for people to be truly bought into you and what you're doing. Especially now where you could probably get a great workout anywhere, truly, right? Like we were talking before, like there's a million different places to go work out and you know, you could stay at home, you can go somewhere else. If there's like a really great coach who cares about you and wants to see you do better, they're going to continue to get people to come in and see them. And it's certainly not the smartest person in the room. Can be. Could be. Could be. But it doesn't have to be. Yeah. And normally it's, you know, it's probably the most humble person in the room because to have success in that, you know, kind of funny, Rachel's background in teaching was she taught special ed and, along those lines, it's like the amount of passion and care you have to have for others in that is extraordinary. Yeah. And when you, I mean, you have to, in order to really truly make those connections, you have to care about other people more than yourself. Yeah. And not necessarily like in a whole way about like, I need to sacrifice everything for them, but it is that genuine care component. Right. That allows them to think like this person cares about me. And then you'll, you'll find the clients make sacrifices for you. Hey, I'm going to be gone for three months. If there's another trainer, they're like, no, we'll wait. Or I'm going to go down to the Cape for the summer, but I'm going to pay for my spot. So I have it when I get back. And yeah. it's like, there's all these things to where they're like, I don't want to lose this person in my life. Right. Which, um, which I think is a, there's a unique care component to it and something that I know you worked with Rachel on, but I've, I mean, it's, you see it in spades in the class and when when we get into the you know the 730 class that you 
had created there because I got to watch a couple of them, got to participate in a few yeah. of them, and it was something very special. So, um, anything you want to add on the the training side, but then or the private training side, but then kind of leading into group classes. No, I mean I listen. I still do private training. I have a couple of clients, and the nice thing is that I'm sure you've experienced this when you're a young trainer. You say yes to everything, and that's what I did when I was new at this. I just said yes to everything because um, one, I was broke. Um, two, I was inexperienced. I wanted to learn as much as I possibly could, um, and three, like. I wanted to really fill my days with as much work as I possibly could because that's, I mean, what you do when you're young and really hungry. Mm -hmm. um, not that that's not how it is now. It's just we have a lot of other things going on. So I still have a couple private clients. The nice thing is that I just choose my spots and who I want to train with. And I used to think, you know, hey, after a decade, like I'll be done with this part. But the thing is, is I, I also really enjoy it. And I'm trying not to put limiters on myself based on what others are doing and what it seems like is the typical thing to do. You know, I've heard a bunch of gym owners talk and they're like, well, you know, now I'm I'm done. I'm done coaching. You know, I'm done, uh, done training people. And I've tried that. I tried it, you know, for a couple of months and it wasn't authentic to who I am. I got into this because I love coaching and here I am 10 years into it, still coach, coach the 515, 615 at my gym in Waltham yesterday. And, you know, I love that. But yeah, let's get into talking about some, some group coaching stuff, which is kind of both, I'd say you and our life, it's our, you know, sweet potato and grass fed butter, you know, paleo. Kerrygold. Yeah. Kerrygold. Salted, unsalted. Who gives a shit? I like the salted. I do too. I think salt just gets a bad rep. People are like, oh, you know, I got to cut back on the sodium. I'm like, I don't think that's it. I don't think that's the one thing. <laughs> we can we can we can talk about the nutrition stuff in a while, but it is it. Uh, uh, we'll get to the group training, but it is always funny when I talk to somebody. <laughs> the biggest thing that I always hear, and I've heard this now for the past ten years, when I talk to people, I'm like, hey, you should eat more fruits and vegetables, and they're like, listen to me. Fruit has sugar in it. I'm like, that is not the problem. You are going to be totally okay. And our good friend EC, the best post that she ever puts up is woman eats two bananas, still okay. You know, like there, there yeah. are all these people that are like, well, you shouldn't have bananas. There's too much sugar in bananas. It's like, my man, I could tell you about 99 other things that you shouldn't do, but eating two bananas is not one of those things. Yeah, it's twofold on that one. I always love the simplicity of EC's post. And I don't think she's mean enough. I think she used to be meaner. She used to be a little bit like harder on it. But I think obviously now to like get a, a, a larger audience. Yeah. But it ain't the person you see walking down the street every day. Like, I just can't stop eating apples. That's why I'm morbidly obese. Like, nah. you don't see that. No. And then the other thing when it comes down to like sodium, like I get these like prepared meals, um, Nutri meals plug. And it's just easier. Ten percent off. I have C uh, Murphy. I actually don't even think I have a discount code. Try it out. Um, but you know, I'm like eating it, and you have someone being like, "Oh, I'd I'd go with those, but you know, too high in sodium." And like, I don't want to be like a, an asshole or cocky. I know I'm going to sound off like this, but there's times where I just want to be like, "Look at us." And as far as health is concerned, like, I, I don't. I don't need any, you know, like I just want to get like frustrated and it's like, and then, you know, there's like a, they get a $20 sub sandwich from Monica's delicious. But at the same time, it's like, 
You can have a little bit extra sodium. You'd be all right. Yeah, people are just kind of swinging at the wrong pitches. Um, yeah, and listen, I'm sure you could do a whole episode just on the nutrition yeah, side. So my heart rate is elevated right yeah, now. Yeah, well, we've so also had coffee. a lot of coffee, which <laughs> I'm psyched about. This is like my third or fourth coffee of the day. So, it's like, I'm going to, I was planning on driving home. I'll probably just run back to Waltham. <laughs> 400 forward, 400 backwards. Oh, yeah. What is that work? Is that Griff? Yep. Wow. That's the only thing that's in my mind are workouts. Like I can just, you know, I can just rattle off some workouts. That's it. People will tell me their names and they'll be like, oh, I'm Jackie. And I'm just like. Thousand meter row. <laughs> thousand meter thrusters. row. Thrusters, barbell, 30 pull-ups. Unless you're doing the game style, which was a crazy awesome workout. Anyway, let's, I, I don't want to get too far, too yeah. far off base here. Back to, back to, back to the Tilt Empire. So the 730 class, it's kind of funny because I just listened to the podcast that you did with Matt where he talked about how you developed the 730 class, but I kind of want to hear about that and how that led into the passion with the group training. So it's actually a really interesting story. Um, I got put on the 7.30 p.m. after Ben fired me from being a full-time coach. So after I'd been coaching for a little while, I taught kids, middle school, high school. I had done the elements program. I had been coaching adults. Ben gave me an offer to be a full-time employee. And I thought I had arrived. I'm like, this is, this is it. Like, this is the thing for me. And Ben brought me on, um, because, you know, he always goes with that car rule. He's like, if you could spend a couple hours in a car with somebody, they're going to be a great employee. And Ben, I could vibe all day in the car, but what ended up happening was there was not actually enough work for me to do as a full-time employee. And at the time I didn't really realize it because back then being a full-time employee at a CrossFit gym, you really thought that it meant that you were just like working out a lot during the day. And I might maybe probably got sucked into that a little bit. And Ben pulled me aside one day. He's like, Hey, um, you're an awesome coach, but there just is not enough work for you to do to be a full-time employee here. And I like thought that my world had come crashing down. He's like, so here's the deal. He's like, you're no longer going to be full-time and um, we're going to give you the 7.30 PM class. Huge blow to me at the time. And the 13 year old me would have stormed off, you know, slammed the door, listened to probably some green day in my room. Lincoln park. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe Lincoln park, maybe some rage against the machine, some corn still like to listen to all that stuff. Um, but I was like, okay, check like not not enough work for me to do as a as a full-time employee um at that point my private training stuff was going really well did some like back of the napkin math i'm like oh i can make way more money as a private trainer and a part-time coach so let's do it um back then the 7 30 p.m class um james had left coaching um at cfne and the 7 30 p.m class was like the island of the misfit toys it was like maybe two or three people and nobody came to the class it was an absolute dead zone and i was like all right i'm gonna make not only like this class grow but i'm gonna make like other classes wish that they could be in this class and I wish I could tell you that I did something incredibly special. I coached the absolute shit out of that class. No matter who was in that class at 7.30 p.m., 
I was bringing the most energy, making sure they got the absolute most out of those classes. And then every couple of weeks, I would hold some type of activity, some type of social after class, most notably being uh, our AMWAP 10, as many wings as possible in 10 minutes <laughs> at the at the Dudley Chateau. Big plug for the best dive in Wayland, Massachusetts. One of the best dives I mean, the history of it is incredible, but I want to, oh, the it's, chat. It's, it's a great spot. And so we had this thing called the AMWAP 10 and we had three people go head to head. And I think the amount of wings was 200 or 300 wings each. And you had 10 minutes to get as far as you possibly could. And so anyway, we, we would do social stuff outside and whoever came to that class, I just coached them up as best I could. And, um, the class grew to a point where it was like, yeah, averaging, you know, 10 to 15 people, which at 7.30 p.m. at night, that's that's a lot. There's no other gym that, one, has a 7.30. Right. Like a 7 p.m. was the latest, right. and you're getting a couple people. So right. just as a frame of reference on it. Right, and so it just became kind of the spot to be in the evening class. And so, yeah, it was something that I, uh, that I love to do and, you know, still stay in contact with many people from that class. From there, continued on teaching that. What brought on Tilt? What brought on to where you said, hey, I'm ready to, to do this? Because I think if you can take a 7.30 class, not a prime time, and create something from it, then why aren't you able to create this in a, in a much more of a macro setting of an entire gym? So what brought on one of those conversations and then what kind of led up to you starting the first CrossFit Tilt Gym? Yeah, so at the time, I mean, CFNE has had, you know, 15, 20 people go out and start gyms from CrossFit New England. So it kind of felt like a breeding ground. And um, I had been approached by a handful of people throughout my tenure at CFNE who wanted to start a gym. And most of it was kind of along like the personal loan side, which scared the shit out of me. Somebody was like, yeah, I'll give you like a $2 million personal. And I'm like, no, I'd like, I, I'll probably spend it on scratch tickets, probably double up. <laughs> um, like, you know, I, like, uh, I, I don't know what to, what to do with that. So how it all started was with my current business partner, LJ DiCarlo, who was a member of CFNE and actually pulled Jeff and I aside um, one day out on the back patio and said, hey, you know, have you guys ever thought about starting a gym? And that was the first conversation about Tilt. Um, and as you know, our our good friend Jeff now runs his family business, right? Mm -hmm. or, is, or is helping to run it. And so very quickly it came, you know, Jeff was like, hey, this is awesome, but I don't think that this is the thing that I can commit to. And listen, at the time for me, you know, I had been making good money, but not good at saving. And so here I was again, kind of a broke trainer and I was ready to take a leap. And so LJ said, Hey, you know, let's, let's start a gym and I'll let you buy in with sweat equity, which I mean, I can't say enough about LJ DiCarlo, my best friend, my business partner, my mentor, father figure in my life. Like this guy's everything. He's like, let's start a gym. The only thing that I cared about at the time was that I wanted to be upfront, honest with Ben. Um, ben, again, had been a great mentor to me, had given me a lot. I had seen every other person um, essentially give Ben 
two weeks when they were about to open their gym. So they had essentially planned a gym for years, and then they tell him two weeks before it opens. I didn't want to do that. I didn't think that was fair um, and not who I am as a person. So as soon as LJ and I had dreamt this whole thing up, we went to Ben and just said, hey, listen, you know, we're going to start a gym. Um, we totally understand if you no longer want Max to coach here because, you know, it, it could be a conflict of interest. Um, but we wanted to be upfront. Ben was like, hey, nobody's ever done this. Everybody just gives me two weeks and assumes that I don't want to be a part of it. And I actually do. I'd love to be a part of this. And so we kind of jumped at the chance. You know, Ben has done a ton of the CrossFit space, as you know, this is something that he knows very well. Been my mentor, helped me with a lot. So and when when Max is referencing Ben, we're talking about Ben Bergeron, yep. who's the owner and founder of CrossFit New England, which is one of the original uh, affiliates in the Northeast area. He's coached a bunch of athletes to the CrossFit Games, competed at the CrossFit Games himself. Again, some of them aren't as much to where, like in a CrossFit crowd, they're like, you can even like like say a word starting with a letter B, and people are like, Ben Bergeron. Yeah. But for some of it, and if, if you guys don't know, look him up. Good friend of both of ours, done an incredible amount in the space. But Yeah. No, and so he, um, he wanted to be a part of it, so that was how it all started. Um, me, LJ, and Ben... Uh, decided we were going to start CrossFit Tilt, and then it was on LJ and I to find a space um, and start building it out. And so that's how we started our first gym was we found a space in Waltham, initially thought we were going to retrofit this old building. Super cool. <laughs> the architects, everybody got in, they're like, yeah, this place is probably going to fall down. Mm -hmm. So we tore it down and built our flagship gym, CrossFit Tilt. Uh, it's in Waltham, and that's the gym that I coach at mostly now. And so that was our first gym, and we started that six years ago. And I remember when you started that gym, one of the only, and this is interesting, one of the only, or at least first of its kind, CrossFit affiliates that was built as a CrossFit affiliate. The typical box model was you found an empty warehouse and it was sufficient for a CrossFit gym. Now the keyword there is sufficient, not optimal, but sufficient to where, you know, it was these old warehouses. Some of them didn't even have bathrooms in it, but for Max and LJ to start this up to where it is a, it is a, I mean, you go in then there's no question it's a CrossFit affiliate, but with bathrooms, with areas for their staff, with, with kitchen, kitchen, kitchenette, like, all the things that you would dream and love to have in an affiliate, but just isn't in the cards. So the first gym to really be built out as a CrossFit gym. Yeah. I mean, and again, this is all LJ's doing. You know, he was like, we're not going to do this half-assed. has to be full-assed. No half-dicking. No. <laughs> um, and this is something that he continues to feel um, really passionately about in anything and everything that we do is that it needs to be done to... A certain standard. Um, the gym that I can always think about, I know it's no longer an affiliate, but I do have to give a shout out to CrossFit Clue when that was an affiliate because I, first off, I'd never even been there, but like seeing the pictures of what that affiliate looked like, I was like, this is like the, this is the Mecca of CrossFit gyms. It was, I mean, I believe like over 10,000 square feet. The biggest thing that I remember was somebody's like, yeah, they took shipping containers, brought the shipping containers into the space and built those out so they could be like meeting rooms, locker rooms. I was like, well, that's amazing. I think it was like in the 30 to 40,000 square foot space. That's amazing. I mean, they had a 200 meter run 
in in the inside the affiliate around yeah. CrossFit tilts were oh. not that big and Cat Lewis yeah and listen I, again I could go down their their branding yes. they they did a lot of really really cool stuff um, so anyway that's that's how we started our first gym and um, throughout the years we've been fortunate enough to um, open two corporate gyms and actually took over two community gyms that were not doing so well. Lost sight. Yeah, you know, listen, I, I think um, a lot of things have changed in the past 10 years. And I think when people initially first started opening affiliates, you could open an affiliate kind of like a clubhouse. And I think that that's really cool. But I also think that they're businesses. I know that they're businesses. And if you fail to run a business like a business, it's probably not going to thrive like a business. And it's going to be really, really hard to keep the lights on. And, you know, there were two gyms that we um, that we ended up buying out, one in Sudbury, one in Southboro. We rebranded them. We put a ton of money in to bring them up to the standards that we want them to be at and to keep the branding consistent uh, across our gyms. And so we've been able to do that. How many affiliates now? How many CrossFit affiliates? And then how many with corporate, like, how many gyms? So we have we have five gyms. So three community gyms, two corporate gyms. Um, and then we just opened uh, a spin studio. Tilt cycle. Tilt cycle, which I... I, I wasn't a I wasn't a spin guy. I really enjoy it now. The thing that I've realized more so now than ever is I'll just do any type of fitness. My my roots are always in CrossFit. I love CrossFit, but I also love whatever else is going on. If it's got a good vibe, like I'll do it. Like I I used to just be so diehard. Like oh, like I I, I can't do anything that's not CrossFit. Like I'm not even going to use my fitness outside the gym, which is. Something that, you know, when you're, as you know, when you're new to CrossFit and you're like loving CrossFit, you're like, I can only do CrossFit. And now I'm like, I will do anything as long as the vibes are good and it's cool. I know I should, I might be too old to say vibes, 36. I don't think so. I think you're Okay, good. cool. Yeah, yeah. vibes. Um. <laughs> I remember when it was like in CrossFit, it was like, you don't do, we don't do curls. That's a you know, single joint movement. We do cleans. Like I wouldn't even do curls. And now I'm in the same boat to where like where I get my fitness to be able to express it in life is from CrossFit. It's going to be my core. It's always going to be. Yeah, feel the same way. But through my new role at Reebok, when I took it on at the second floor, I had to manage every other discipline but CrossFit because they're like, all right, so for CrossFit, we've got Denise, Austin, and Connor. Connor, you're managing second floor. And it was like, you know, I was just, Denise wanted to run the second or the CrossFit side of it. I was still doing it, but got to manage and, and learn from all these different people. The first class I took was a, was a yoga sculpt from Sarah White at Core Power Yoga. There were 755 people in a 100 square foot space. It was, I mean, it was just like on top of each other. It was right. the sweatiest. And I was like, that was great. I never stretched. That was awesome. Next class, and this is funny. So I hired this this girl, Caitlin McDonough, and she was incredible because she didn't care about CrossFit. So she was bringing all these different disciplines to me. She's like, we're going to go to this girl, Alana's uh, bar groove, and we're going to do a bounce and bar class. And I said, I'm not fucking jumping on a trampoline. 
all right, that's not fitness. And she's like, no, you got to come take this. And I'm like, all right. So I go in, Alana, just an absolute, just a bouquet of flowers of a person. Right. It was just so welcoming. Go in there. She's like, I saved you a trampoline right here. All women in there. Like, here we go. But, you know, part of me, I'm like, we're going to jump on this. I'm going to crush it. Well, I mean, you're jumping on a trampoline. <laughs> like, like, I'm going to have so much rhythm that, and crush this that thing. That sounds well, – you, you do have really good rhythm. And also, you're jumping on a trampoline. So I take the class. Halfway through, I'm like, this is awesome. I want everyone to experience this. It's not what I do for CrossFit, but, man, I had the best time. And you knew the instructor. Like, Alana put so much time and effort – into the class where you're like, yeah, this is legit. Before and it was, and I was just close-minded to it because I was so like, no, this is what I do. And you know, we brought her class to Reebok because it wasn't a public gym, and every class was booked up. And then you know, then she started doing her classes at Grand, and people loved it. And you know, she's still doing her thing. She has her virtual stuff, and it's like, I want to support that because I see the same care and passion. It may not be my discipline, but I still love doing that. I think that's. One of the best points, two things. One is being open-minded to try something new. And the other is you said, well, I went in and I saw how much care and time she put in to that class. I mean, that's everything. Like if you're trying to grow anything in the fitness space and you're thinking that, again, we're talking about half-assing things, you think you're not going to go all in on it, it's going to be very hard for you to create something special, right? Like... I know both you and I care deeply when we coach classes, right? You know, you, you put tons of effort into your lesson plan. You want to make sure that everything flows, right? Like I, even me, like, you know, I'm 10 years into this. Like I, I care so much about every little detail about the class that I coach simply because I just want to give the best experience possible. It could be CrossFit. It could be spin. It could be boot camp. It could be mm -hmm. jumping on a trampoline. Yeah. If there's a really great flow and playlist is hot and there's highs and lows and times in between, it's going to be super fun, you know? And on the flip side, you and I, I'm sure have dropped in or experienced not great CrossFit classes, right? Where there's not a lot of effort being put into it. And those classes in itself are usually not that great. The workout always hits. I'll be honest with you. Like I'll do any CrossFit workout and I really enjoy it, but the times before and after, that's on the coach, you know? Mm -hmm. Some of the most technical coaches that I've ever worked with, worked for, and I'm talking about like expansive knowledge, spend all their time reading about different articles from different areas to be a CrossFit coach, but just didn't care about the people. And they had some people that were like, oh, we're super obsessed because this person's so knowledgeable. And I was, I came from the other side of it. Where I was like, I'm here for hype. I mean, I remember some of my first CrossFit classes. I was just like, this is what a clean looks like. Try to make it look like mine. And even mine wasn't great. <laughs> but you know what? We were rocking. We had the playlist. We were, you know, everyone is just vibing. And I still have more people that reach out to me from the first gym that I full-time coached at CrossFit Del Norte in San Diego while I was transitioning out of the Navy. I have more people that were like, this was my favorite and best coach than any other gym. And I'm like, I knew nothing. But again, you're hitting the nail right on the head. Imagine how much you've learned over, you know, the past nine, 10 years, how long you've been involved in it. One thing, Connor, that you've always had in spades is 
real energy. And that is the hardest thing because the way that you are when you coach is authentic to who you are. That's the most important thing and something that I always talk to young coaches about is you have to figure out what your actual thing is because not everybody can coach like Connor. Not everybody can coach like me, right? Like we all have our own style. Mm -hmm. As a young coach, it's figuring out what that style is, leaning into it while also trying to absorb other things, right? And that, and I'll tell you, like every time that I've taken a class with you, watch you coach, see the way that you interact with people, you're authentic to who you are. Nobody can tell you, oh, well, that's, you know, Connor's just putting on this, on this show to people. It's like, no, no, no. This is like how Connor is like he all he wants is for you to be a part of the party that he's creating. And um, I think it's very hard for younger coaches to understand that because they see other styles and they're thinking that they need to replicate styles. It's like, no, you need to appreciate what that style is. Figure out what yours is now. Also, take in some information, learn some new stuff so that you can impart that onto your members. Right. Because, listen, like, sure, when you're a newer coach, hey, do a clean that looks like this, that's actually still effective. Like if people are pulling their elbows through and pushing their butt back, like that works, right? Like one thing that I've always appreciated whenever I take any CrossFit certification or I talk to any, you know, red shirt trainer is if the cue works, put it back in the back. If it doesn't, you have to toss it off to the side or bring it back again, but with a different group, right? Um, so I think that there's a lot of interesting stuff there. And what I think is powerful and to the audience is like, that's coming from like the horse's mouth. I mean, this is someone who has gone from a teacher to interested in CrossFit, to teaching kids, to private training, to group training, to now running the Tilt Empire. But it is, it is that care component. And, you know, we've, I think we've referenced it on here before. Um, I was motivated to write a CrossFit Journal article called The Bigger You or The Big You. And it was from my experience coaching at Reebok to when I first came in and I saw, you know, X person, I saw Austin coach, I saw Denise coach, and I was like, I'm going to coach like them. And the classes just didn't feel right because I wasn't being me. Now you can still beg, borrow and steal from all of these different coaches. But I mean, to be able to have success is to figure out what works for you, which you and I are, are probably on similar wavelengths, but also very different with, with how we interact with people and, and honestly, just to see the amount of success that you've had through that, it's, it's to no surprise. And it's, you know, you talk about like, I'm not, I don't have like the business degree. I wasn't, didn't know what to do with like this amount of it, but it's like, you were willing to take the step and you care. Yeah. I think, um, you know, the, the other thing, and this is something that's really cool that we're able to have this conversation is both you and I have grown in very different ways in similar spaces. But the thing that remains the same is that Neither of us are afraid to try something new and to put in real hours and real reps. And I am a firm believer in this space. You have to not like pay your dues, but like you got to actually put a lot of reps in and you need to coach a lot of classes. You need to talk to a lot of people. You need to try a lot of new things to see what works and where you're going to fit in. This is not... Um, not a space where you're going to come in and make some huge splash and be able to sit back. I, it's, it's a constant lean forward and, you know, continue to craft, you know, to continue to be better at your craft. At, at least that's how I feel. I, you know, I'd love to get your opinion on it. It's just, it's not something where you can just kind of sit back and like, you know, watch what happens. 
Yeah, and I think that a lot of people see, I think the I think the blessing and curse of social media is that people see someone that has success in it and they say, this is the way. And then people are afraid, and I've been there too. You don't want to be the person that opens a gym and no one comes to. Like, of course, I want to open an affiliate or I want to run a class to where it sells out and you know, right. 100 spots in 10 seconds. Right. And you're like, hell yeah. But it's like no one wants to promote the class that they, they had 30 spots for and one person came. And guess what? Everyone's done it. Oh my God. Yes. I mean, you. <laughs> Everyone's had a class with zero people show up. And listen, I think that is such a great point. When that happens, like, you got a couple choices. One, you can just be a victim. And this is something that I truly believe in. You know, you have a zero person class out of 30, like, be the victim. Woe is me. Like, this doesn't work. Or it's like, okay, well, can I actually think about did I Did I do enough? to make this happen? Did I really promote this? Did I really get out there and try and bring people in? Was there more that I could have done? Like, if you're not asking yourself those questions, then this probably isn't the right thing for you, right? I mean, that's that's how it is. Or how about this? For any coach out there, you get like one or two people in a class, what type of energy are you bringing? Let me tell you, you got one or two people in a class, like you have a real opportunity to make that the best hour and most memorable hour of their day, of their week, of their month, maybe make it their year. That's a shout out to friends, worst show out there. Um, <laughs> but um, you you do have a real opportunity to coach the ever living shit out of those people and make a real freaking connection. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna start to ramble. So I'll pass the mic. No, I, I think that's that's the that's the biggest piece is that people don't see those things. I don't, you know, you don't promote. You never promoted the 730 class like, hey, guys, just coached my one athlete in here, 730, shout out. It's like, no, everyone starts seeing what it became, but people don't see the hours behind it. And I guess when I, I'm trying not to like be preachy here to think that I'm standing from some high ground, shit, I'm running new stuff right now to where I've had, I've had events that I've ran. I've had classes that no one has shown up to. I've had, I've had things that have failed because I'm trying something new. And I continue to try something new. Kind of, I'm, I'm sure similar. You just started Tilt Cycle, which is different from what any other affiliate has done. I, I think some affiliates have had other spin or cycle companies come in, but it's like, sure, I'm sure to, to start off Tilt Cycle and be like, hey, we have 19 class on the schedule. They're all full. It's like, that's a new thing and you got to grind at that. Yeah. So I do actually want to give a quick shout out to a couple people that are heading up our cycle program. So first is my general manager, Brian Sieber. Um, Brian is the hardest working guy in the room. He started with us as an intern six years ago. He was working at the front desk at CrossFit New England and Len's wife, Terry said, hey, you wanna come over and work the front desk at Tilt? He's like, sure. He was my first employee. First employee working at the front desk and coaching a couple classes, turned into a full-time employee, brought him over as the head coach of Tilt Sudbury, brought him over to our Tilt at Education First, ran that facility, became our general manager, and Brian and his good friend, uh, Laura, Mc Laura McNaughton, who's our, our head coach over at Tilt Cycle, felt passionately about opening a, a cycle studio. And like Len did for me six years ago, we're like, run with it. Let's like, let's see what we can do. And it's their, it's their brainchild. It's what they have dreamt up. And I don't know a lot about spin. I know that you go right foot, left foot or left foot, right foot. It's a little joke there. And um, I don't know a lot 
The facility's freaking awesome. I enjoy it. And I love to see how passionate Laura is about spin because this is the thing that I've realized is passion is actually universal. Passionate about cycle, passionate about CrossFit. You can recognize it in somebody. But the thing that really takes to the next level is are you are you able to work for it? Do you actually want to work for it? And for Laura and Brian and for myself and for LJ and for you, Connor, if the answer is yes, it's like, I think it will be successful. But like you said, good things take time. Nobody's been the best at anything right off the bat. We talked earlier about how how bad the first couple of years of CrossFit where I was doing 13 and a half minute graces. You're doing Fran throwing up milk everywhere. Like the beginning is the best because you suck so badly and it's your choice. It's like, I'm either going to lean back or I'm going to lean in. And if you lean in, that's where I believe the great stuff happens. We had an episode where we brought um, Ruben Coronado on here. Ruben was an intern of mine at Reebok. And at one point he was like, oh, I'm also a black belt in jujitsu. And I'm like, okay, my man is legit. Ended up during the pandemic. During the pandemic, started his own uh, jujitsu studio. Sick. And I mean, when we talk about why people are afraid of jujitsu is because they're going to suck. It's like you can be the strongest person and you're still going to suck. And why it's so common for CrossFitters to go into jujitsu, it's like because we're kind of used to sucking at things at first. <laughs> and But, but that's, that's the drive behind the business. That's the drive behind, I think, why there is great and mediocre people. It is people just afraid to look bad and afraid to fail. And once you get that out of the way that like, no one cares and the people that care don't fucking matter. You know, it's like, who, who, yeah, I, I, I ran a class at the Grand and at one point in time I had, I had zero participants. And I'm like, all right, we got to recalibrate this. Maybe, maybe, maybe having a nightclub as a full CrossFit affiliate isn't ideal. Maybe we focus on larger events. <clears throat> but you know, so a couple things here. The reason why I haven't picked up <laughs> jujitsu is I'm afraid to look worse than I look now. So I just <laughs> need to be very careful about that. But I, I do love the fact that, like you just said, CrossFitters are used to sucking. Yeah, that's like part of the whole thing. And the thing that I love that you said is that nobody cares. And nobody cares if you suck. And it's it's inside us. That's We just think that everybody we, – we, rightfully so, we think that we're the center of attention and that everybody's paying attention to us all the time because that's maybe just how we're all hardwired. And what I always tell all new members is nobody cares and everybody has been there. Everybody that's tried something new and then has success has been the worst. That should be like the calling card of anything that you ever want to do. Everybody sucked at this. Everybody's been the worst. You're going to be okay. Nobody cares. Just keep on doing it. Right? I mean, that's what I say to every single new member. I said the, the thing that you have in common with everybody, myself included, is that we've all walked into the gym for the first time. We've all been bad at something. Okay. And? Let's just take that next step. Like th yeah. that does not seem that hard to me. A, an amazing expression of that was this year at the CrossFit Games. They programmed a workout that had a double a double unders were like a hard movement in CrossFit a decade ago. Meh, 15 years ago. You had to learn it. And then it was triple unders. But this year at the CrossFit Games, we're talking about 40 of the fittest females and fittest males on earth proven hard evidence, measurable, observable, repeatable, we get it. Had to do a double under with a cross. So the rope travels under you twice, 
one of them has to be normal. The other one has to be with your arms crossed. And these people on the center stage with hundreds of thousands of people watching live stream, tens of thousands of people watching in person, and even more that are going to watch, watch these fittest people on earth fucking struggle. Fail. Some people couldn't get one. One person, one person on the mail, maybe two, finished it. Right. And it was like, that is the, that is such a cool way to, and other people were like, oh, it was dumb, it was this. I was like, no, man, that struggle never ends. You can't just be good and then stop doing anything else you suck at. I could not agree with you anymore. I think that that event, the events at the CrossFit Games, I know that you're saying that a, a lot of people tuning in maybe don't watch the CrossFit Games. You should go watch some of this stuff. It's not only entertaining, but what Connor said is so true. You could, you have people at the highest level, the highest level of competition in CrossFit who were failing. That should make everybody feel so great. It's like, oh, wow, we can even push this further because let me tell you, next year, when this movement shows up again, and it probably will, people will be good at it. What do you what do you know? It's like they introduced the pegboard, I forget how many years ago, right? And 2015, oh, I think. Right. And what they have this year? They had master competitors, I believe the 60 plus or at least the 55 plus doing pegboards. Hmm. Guess people can get better. Guess people can learn. That should feel pretty freaking good. Right. And this year they're having them do legless pegboard. I mean there are so many, I don't want to turn this into an episode about the CrossFit games, but I think that a lot of the things during the games are applicable, like you said, to any fitness program, to life in general, which is we all do this. I'm sure you're guilty of this as well, and I get this way as well. You get to a certain point, you're like, all right, I'm good. I'm like, I've arrived. Like, you know, you you and I could both like program workouts for ourselves that like we're just going to smash every day. And hey, listen, there's there's something about hitting a softball out of the park, which is great. And I say to my members, you should do this. Not all the time, but there have to be some wins, right? Because not everybody has the mental fortitude to get constantly hammered into the ground every single day. Now, some of us, myself and yourself included, kind of like that type of stuff, right? Now, big shout out because we're doing a 24-hour hike, Mount Abram, King of the Hill. This is in September. We're going to get to that because I want to talk about that. Okay. So we are going to do some stuff that is way outside of our comfort zone. But um, the best thing ever is that you can be at the top of your game and still have further to go. And I love that. And I think that's why generalists are so humble. And maybe this is how we can wrap it into getting out to everyone outside of the CrossFit world. To, to do things you suck at is to improve as a human. Our goal in training, maybe not all the time now, but goal in training is to be better at life, yep. not to be better at training. And when you walk into a track meet, the cockiest person is the guy, who runs a, guy or girl who runs 100. Why? Because they're the fastest person in the world. The fastest person in the world. Yeah, of course you're going to have an ego. Of course you're going to be able to do that. But imagine if you had that person try to throw a javelin against people who are best in the world at throwing a javelin. Right. Woefully inadequate. Right. Imagine if they had to throw the shot put. Imagine if they had to run the 400 against the 400 runners. They're going to get crushed. Right. So when you do everyone else's events, sure, you're not as cocky about being like, I'm the absolute best in the world at this. But unless you're competing in that specific sport, 
do shit outside your comfort zone because it will make you not only a better and more capable human, but it'll make you better up top. Yeah. Make you better at being able to take a task oh, or take a, a, a task or challenge at work. Oh, here's something I've never done before at work. I have to do some sort of paperwork, whatever. Use your imagination. Let me figure it out, right? Yeah. Figure it, you know, fit foe. Figure it the fuck out. Love that. Um, yeah. And so actually this is, this is a great segue because what you said, I spent a long time in the beginning of starting CrossFit, especially when I was at CrossFit New England saying the only thing I cared about was being good at CrossFit. And I was better than mediocre. I was okay at CrossFit, right? Regional athlete. Yeah. At a very low level would not be able to touch anything these days, but for, for back then it was great. The best thing that's ever happened to me was one understanding where I'm at in my life in the time that I have to commit to training and what my goals are outside the gym. The second thing is what you just said, understanding that I have an opportunity to try a number of different things and how fun and awesome it is. You know, I'm three years into skiing. My first year skiing, I fell every time down the hill. And funny enough, um, the people I'd be skiing with like, dude, you must be so frustrated. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm having the best time ever. I suck so bad right now. I said, I guarantee you next year, I'm going to be so much better. And well, better that year, better that year. And like, I love that. So I'm going to segue and I'm going to plug the event that we're doing. I want to hear first. I want to hear about, cause I wanted to talk about the diesel day. Oh I'm yeah. I'm sure that had some inspiration into this. And I talk about, uh, I talk about Tosh a lot on this cause I think his podcast is just raw. It's it, it's it's really good. It kind of speaks to me. It, it works for me. But when I talk about Diesel Day, what you gained between the years, because I mean, physically it's irrelevant, but what you gained from that and then leading into this event that we're going to do and why it's important. Yeah. So people don't know Brian Chantosh. I, I think definitely American hero. Um, yeah, I would say so. If you read his citations yeah, for what's happened in the, his life. Citations aside, the most loving and caring guy I think I've like ever been around. You wouldn't know any of this talking to him because nothing that he's ever said to me is about him. It's always about somebody else and helping somebody else. And uh, Tosh runs these wonderful events at uh, the Crooked Butterfly Ranch called Diesel Days. And they're 24-hour fitness experiences. And like you said, the events that you do during these 24 hours truly don't matter. And um, I, it's also not appropriate for me to come in here and talk about some of the secret sauce because it's something that I think he really cares about is that you don't actually know what you're doing. But the cool thing is, is that much like CrossFit, it's universally scalable. So I actually have uh, full belief that my mother at 74 years old, who is a member of my gym, would be fine participating in the diesel day. Now, granted, it's 24 hours, and that's the hardest part, staying up for 24 hours. Other than that, it's uh, a physical and mental challenge. And what I gained from these challenges is that most of um, what goes on when you're dealing with a physical challenge is between your ears. Now, yes, the weight, you know, let's say, hey, Max, clean this barbell that's 315. No chance. Can't even come close to that. But besides like the actual external load, most of what's going on is between your ears. And what Tosh has talked about and turns us all into is that there are just these governors that we put in place right? Can't do that. It's too hard. It's too long. You know, the, the thing that I actually took away from the last one that I did with him, um, I've 
done two of these events with Tosh, two of these 24-hour events. And he said, hey, the first one I noticed that what you like to do, Max, is you do like these really cute, manageable sets on different movements. He goes, I, I watch you do this and I know you do five here, you do five here. Why don't you do six? Like, why don't you do seven? I know that sounds like the silliest, stupidest thing. I'm like, check. Yeah, you're right. I said, you are 100% right. I'm not taking chances. I'm living in this really cute, safe box. Comfort. Yep, exactly. And I thought that I wasn't doing this because of the, you know, the discomfort of actually doing the event. But it was just, it was so profound for me that I took it back. I use it a lot with my own clients and with myself on a regular basis. Like, stop putting myself in this comfortable box and do one more, right? And it doesn't have to be reps. It's just like, we're all guilty of this. We've been talking about actually through this whole podcast as we get to this point where we sit back a little bit. And I'm not saying to do things extreme. I'm saying that to just recognize when you are doing things that are comfortable and you could actually turn it up a little bit. I'm not talking spinal tap, turn it up to 11 all the time, but I am talking about a little bit more. And I was really inspired after doing a couple of these events to bring something like this to um, to the Northeast. And we're running an event at Mount Abram, which is in Maine, um, right near Sunday River. And this is called uh, the King of the Mountain event. And it's 24 hours to accumulate as many times up and down Mount Abram as possible. The coolest thing is the barrier to entry is $50. And the reason why we're doing it this way is I stole this event from another event called like Everesting. It's like 29029. And this is some real bougie shit, which is super cool. But um, it's like five to $7,000 to participate in this event. And by the end of the event, you will have accumulated um, as many vertical feet as it takes to, cr to climb Everest. I think it's super cool, but I don't have five to $7,000 to spend on an event. I've got to spend that on scratch tickets and iced coffee. And so um, I said, hey, let's do an event, make it 50 bucks, have it all self-supported. You come out, you camp out Friday night. This is, and then uh, from September 10th to September 11th, 9 a.m. to 9 a.m., you just accumulate reps by yourself with teams of two, with teams of four. Who gives a shit with your dog? With your new cat? Scar. Bufasa. I, I, I love that. Um, one, come participate in it. But two, <clears throat> I need more on that because doing this shit makes you a better person. And you know what? We could spend hours until we're blue in the face about why about why, about all the adaptation, and people are gonna hear it and say, oh, I, I could see that. And here's what I'm gonna tell you. Here's a black box. Here's your input, here's your output. Do really hard shit. What happens doesn't really fucking matter. You become a better person. You become a better dad, you become a better brother, you become a better sister, a better mother, a better aunt, a better friend, a better employee. Everything that you do will be better if you push the margins of your experience and getting yourself out of that box and getting those, um, what did you call it? Not a limiter, but getting the governors off of what you think you're capable of. Sorry, I had to burp. Um, but yeah, I, I a hundred percent agree. And this is why we're running the event and why when I encourage people, I've, I have a number of members and I'm, 
talked to all of our members about doing this event. And the biggest thing is like, they're like, well, it sounds really hard. I'm like, oh yeah, no, like it will be really hard. And I said, you know, you could also just do it and you could just quit. And this is, this is the uh, kind of last thing I'll say about this because Tosh brought this up as well. And I loved it. He said, you know, think about the way that people talk about quitting. Whenever somebody quits something, there's always an asterisk at the end. Ah, oh, yeah, man. Uh, you know, I quit this, but it's because my shoe was untied. You know, I actually didn't wear, you know, the right equipment. Oh, man. It was so hot that day. It's never been hotter. It was a thousand degrees. It was, it was, the event was on the sun. That's why I quit. Um, the thing that I love that Tosh said is when you quit something, just own quitting. Because quitting doesn't make you a bad person. You quit this one thing, but you don't have to make an excuse for, for quitting something, but you do have to own your shit. And I firmly believe that. If you're gonna quit something, just say that you quit. I don't need the explanation, just say that you quit. Because the really cool thing is, you will have another opportunity to do it again most likely and get one step further. You know, the best uh, best example I can give is I signed up for this 50-mile ruck through New York City. Do I ruck often? No. Um, and thought I'd be totally fine. I was totally not fine. I got past mile 33 and I quit. I couldn't handle it anymore. That's it. I couldn't handle it. I quit. I gave up. I'm going to try and do this again. Now, what I'll also do is I'll probably train <laughs> to do it. I thought, again, thought I could just ruck. I used to carry my backpack to school uphill both ways when I was in middle <laughs> school, filled with all my science textbooks. Um, but I quit that event. And it can just be that I quit. It doesn't need to be some excuse. It's just that I quit and I'll try it again. But yeah, I got my ass handed to me in a real way. So rucking is hard. You know, it, it, it takes me back to a very, wasn't supposed to be special. It was just kind of a thing we signed up for, but it ended up being a really, really, really special day because we did something that sucked. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. New England Fitness Challenge. That was such a cool event. I'll let Connor let you go in a second, but I think the best part about this event was Ben had presented it as you could only have 12 participants, I believe. We, we pull up there. Everybody has a backpack full of rice cakes and a salt and maybe fuel for fire. <laughs> Definitely assault packets. Yeah, that's it. And we look and there are people barbecuing. There are people with tents. There are people with sleeping bags. And there are people with 22 people per team. 20 it, to 30. It turns out that you could have as many people as you wanted sub in for this event. 12 was the minimum. Just and, had to have 12. And it was a it was a 12-hour event overnight, right? I think it was from 8 p.m. to 8 a.m. And there were 12 events done on the hour. Ben had presented it that you have to have 12 people. 
and that all people participate in all the events. And so we were the only team that had only 12 people and were woefully underprepared. Oh, I mean, I remember, I don't think Jeff was, or no, it was Harry who was like, we need an extra guy. I said, I'm your guy. I didn't know what we were doing. We got there. I didn't even have the backpack. I was using other people's assault. And that's what was awesome too, is that I had two, I ended up the entire night, I had two water bottles full of assault. And I would just take a couple chugs before each event. But I mean, some of the events involved, you had a shovel and a bucket, multiple shovels and buckets. Move dirt. Yep. You had to move sand from one pile to another in a parking lot. You had to carry a gurney with one of your people on it all the way up and through things. You had to run, do scavenger hunts through Gillette Stadium. It was awesome. Pull uh, a SWAT vehicle. Pull a SWAT vehicle. That was an all. That was an all participant event. The event. The team next to us had thirty people pulling this. We had twelve people. Harry tore his I, bicep. I was going to say that side. that was the event that Harry tore his bicep, and he tore it. <laughs> he, he tore it in such a nonchalant way. We finished the event. He goes, "I think I tore my bicep." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Excuse me." the The best part of the event was this: we finished the event. It was very cool. We came in first. I thought that was amazing. <laughs> they're like, they're like, there's going to be a lot of food for you. I don't know if you remember, Connor. There was a mountain of cheese. cheese. <laughs> that was the. I thought, I thought we were being pranked. It's nine o'clock in the morning. It's nine o'clock in the morning. We hadn't slept, hadn't slept all night, and there's a mountain of cheese and crackers, and that's the whole spread. I'm like, I'm fucking kill somebody. Like, <laughs> like what is going on? There were Bloody Mary bar, and cheese. And cheese. Oh, and then the the best thing was. Oh. A, Apparently, you had we had won. We had won an on-field experience at either a Red Sox or Patriots game. Let's go on field. We could not be more excited. Except the Patriots were away that weekend. (laughs) They were playing Indianapolis away, and we were just supposed to come and walk on Gillette. We had already done that. We were there for twelve hours. (laughs) Playing fucking operation after sprinting sandbags up that thing. Remember that event? Yes, I do. And I was, because for some reason, I was like the point of contact. I mean, we know the right person to put to put in point to of contact. try to wheel and deal a little bit. Yeah. And they were like, like on-field experience. I'm like, are you going to play the game on the Jumbotron? They're just like, no, during a Patriots game, you get to go on the, f- oh. I remember being like, they're like, or you can go to the Red Sox game. And I'm like, okay, yeah, let's do that. Uh, there's like a batting practice thing. I'm like, I'll go shag some balls at the Red Sox game. Nope. Turns out they were like, oh, actually, yeah, no, you can't do that. I'm like, what's the alternative? They're like, yeah, it's just a no. Yeah, I think I think the only thing we got out of it were, weren't there a couple suitcases that we got? Didn't they give us luggage or something? Like, I remember there being some type of thing, like a couple people got to take home some, like, luggage. Guess what it was full of? Cheese. <laughs> <laughs> Reebok gear. I'm like, thanks, guys. I work full time for the company, but uh, but you know what? That even made it better for the on field experience. It didn't matter, right? What mattered is that like, there were 12 of us. Most of us were strangers, but I can remember specific events to where 
people stepped up to the plate as like team captains. We're going to lead this. We're going to do that. We were such a threat that I remember when there was the the flag. Uh, it was like a capture the flag game where everyone had flags and it was just like a last man standing. We're teams are sitting there like you know drinking Capri Suns and refueling. Ben's taking us through line drills, a like dynamic warm up, a dynamic warm up, and every other team afterwards they told us this. They were like, hey let's all just fucking get them out first and then we'll handle each other. And they're like, yep. So we are on the team, you know, there's, this is one where you can only have 12. And so there's six different teams in this area where you all have to pull flags. Five teams just turned towards us in our corner. And we still, I think we held our own, but. Oh, it was, it was, uh, it was a really fun time. Actually, one memory that I have that I loved is like, because these other teams had so many different participants, they could all go out and sleep and eat. And so towards the end of the event, we would just finish the event early, go to the next place and just like lean up against a wall and just like everybody would sleep for like five, 10 minutes. And then they'd be like, all right, next event. We'd be like, all right, let's go. Here we go. Sip of assault. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, uh, Oh man, it was great. So yeah, I'm I'm excited for this for this event in Maine. I think you and I will have a great time. I'm hoping that there's a large contingency from from our gym at Tilt. We'll continue to blast it out. Who knows? This could be a great plug. We'll see. How many people have signed up so far? I actually haven't physically signed up, so I need to do that after this. I mean, you know I'm in, but I got to actually like do the sign up and do that link. But how many people are signed up so far? No clue. Um because um I don't handle any backend stuff for anything that we do because I am really bad at it. So I'll just give <laughs> one one click one quick story here because I know we've been on for quite a while. Um, when we opened up our first tilt gym, classes were slammed. They were packed. I remember bringing LJ in. I said, "Dude, check this out. Look at this shit. These classes are slammed." He goes, "Hey, let me fill you in. Nobody has a membership here." <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, you have not signed anybody up for a membership. The gym is making no money. I was like, oh. At that point, he's like, I'm going to handle the back end here. <laughs> so Brian, our GM, is the best at running the back end of our business. He runs our events. He makes sure that all this is happening. I am 100% sure that I could get better at this. But I also know what lane I want to stay in. And the best lane that I can be in is what I'm doing right now, which is coaching on a regular basis, being in front of members, coaching the absolute living shit out of everybody that I come in contact with, and uh, not handling the back end. So <laughs> maybe every now and again, we'll open up an Excel sheet just to kind of play around. Maybe we should take an Excel class. I actually really need a class like that because my wife is amazing at all aspects of her business. And so she'll be like showing me this Excel sheet and she does like a command thing. I'm like, um, I'm like, what'd you, people what, blow my mind. I'm like, what did you man. just do there? Like it like moved this thing. She's like, seriously? She's like, like that's elementary. Yeah. She's like, how did you get through college? I'm like, you don't, I don't know. Um, so, yeah, I I'm don't. I'm going to show you the Big Night Fitness <laughs> <laughs> accounting. Brian, the CFO of the company, oh yeah, has got to just fucking. He's like, hey, he must be a wizard. He's like, hey, 
there's some and i'm like yeah 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 there's we're gonna cross reference those it's yeah. bad yeah but we're working on it we're getting better i'm i'm fired up for it i'm gonna get some people to sign up for it just because i know one it's cool to support anything appreciate two, that doing hard stuff is incredible i'm gonna see if we can get hurley to sign up for it i think he just said he's in he normally is a you know during Saturdays or Sundays is an as a nightlife guy. I don't think the hours are okay for him, but you know he's got to work. So Hurley, what do you think? Yeah, that's I'll I'll definitely consider it. I'll you know, think about it. You know what's great about this is that you know I I always come on here and preach, and you know I'm not batting a thousand with a lot of the stuff I preach on. However, a lot of the stuff Hurley will take in. He says he's going to be somewhere. He'll be there. He's been training. He's been drinking black coffee instead of adding his dessert for breakfast in there <laughs> crushing workouts well the the it's cool the, the cool thing is this for this event in in all honesty somebody could come out and do one lap the cool thing is as you know i'll do one those mm -hmm. are famous famous last words frank the tank yeah so yeah once it hits your lips it's so cold but you do one lap up the mountain might as well do another um and yeah it should be a really cool event uh mount abram right in maine right near sunday river so great time it, we've been on a while we'll get you on back again this has been the absolute best uh I love, I said this earlier, I love that we're between two ferns. I think the setup in here is top notch. People here is great. The coffee's been flowing. I'm feeling, I'm feeling right. Where can we find you at on social media, your gyms, yourself, and, and what you, uh, what you want people to find out? Uh, gyms are CrossFit Tilt. Cycle Studio is Tilt Cycle. Those are both of our handles on Instagram. Myself, it's MaxAttack86. I will tell you that you taught me the most ever, uh, about social media long ago, which was you take a picture, you turn the structure up, you screenshot that picture <laughs> and you turn the structure up on that. But I don't, I actually don't post a lot on, on social media, but I used to, um, but check out CrossFit tilt, check out tilt cycle, check out our event, King of the mountain. Connor will post about it. Hope to see some people there. It's has been awesome. I appreciate you bringing on here, bring me on here, Connor. So it's awesome. Absolutely, guys. And you know you can always follow us at Big Night Fitness uh, on Instagram. Myself, at Connor T. Murphy, C-O-N-O-R. Um, if you guys are watching this on YouTube, drop us a comment. I mean, do whatever, do whatever you have to. DM any of us. We'll always get back to you. It may not be in that very moment, but I can promise you if you reach out to me, you send me an email, I will get back to you. The same goes for Max, especially when it comes to do with business and yep. improving, the, improving the quality of your life via fitness. I think you're probably like a week away from setting up an Instagram for your cat. I think I might just steal that, you know, like people are like, oh, you should do an Instagram for like you and Ty. And I'm like, no, I'm just going to try to hoard that for myself. Yeah. All right. That's probably good. All right, guys. Thank you for tuning in. As always, any questions, comments, concerns, complaints, let us know. You guys are amazing. Max, again, thank you, brother. Thank you very much. Thank you.